from a purely mechanistic and partition paradigm. Complexity is traditionally understood and explained primarily based on its visible or at least its recognizable structures and organizational hierarchies. Complexity can still be broken down into relatively defined elements and predictable behaviors. Complexity can still be understood in terms of its linear dynamics and relationships that manifest themselves in potentially identifiable and measurable ways. And so, whether you're talking about counterinsurgency operations or environmental impact assessments, market growth analyses, or community development projects, complexity is a concept that can be determined and classified into knowns and unknown unknowns. It can be quantified and analyzed in order to present relatively concise statistical models and approaches. However, to truly understand complex adaptive systems, we need to look for those aspects and elements, those perspectives and understandings that the dominant mechanistic paradigm is unable to identify. This is Peace and Conflict Fundamentals. I am Andres Jimenez. Embracing the transrational paradigm allows us to instead conduct an analysis and understanding of complex adaptive systems through an entirely different perspective, one that focuses on understanding complexity from a chaotic, non-linear perspective, one that sees these systems as inherently unpredictable and chaotic hence complex, and extremely adaptive and well-connected to their environments. And in order to be able to identify and begin to understand how complex adaptive systems function and manifest themselves, and to do so from a systemic perspective, we must first understand their core principles or characteristics. And so, the first concept that we must begin to identify is turbulence. And turbulence takes place when a chaotic motion begins to form in a system 
when different regions or elements begin to move at different speeds, we can say that the presence of turbulence is a sign of the start of a disturbance within the system. So if we take the example of a political party, for example, the turbulence could take the form of relatively new ideas that are starting to be pushed and presented by certain members within the party. Ideas that divert from the policies and positions that the party elite have traditionally supported. And it is from this state of turbulence that we can often see a sudden change in the system. A sudden change that allows the system to jump into a different form of organization. Like for example, when those new political ideas happen to coincide with a national event that just recently occurred. And suddenly, those relatively fringe ideas can quickly gain considerable attention and relevance. This sudden change in the system is what is known as a bifurcation point. And if we visualize the turbulence in the system, like lines that go up and down periodically, a bifurcation point would then be the equivalent of a vortex suddenly beginning to emerge. And if we continue with our previous example, a bifurcation point could be the rapid rise in notoriety of a new figure within this revolutionary faction that champions the implementation of a new vision and direction for the party based on many of the principles and ideas discussed during the turbulence phase. But this sudden change in the system, this mutation, cannot consolidate into a different form of organization unless we first have what is called positive feedback loops. And positive feedback loops can be understood as the energy that feeds and energizes this sudden change in the system. Positive feedback loops are what allow for the amplification of a bifurcation point, energizing this phenomenon and allowing it to increase in relevance. If we were to make the analogy with C.S. Holling's Panarchy model that was analyzed back in chapter 5, Bifurcation points and positive feedback loops can be considered as similar processes to what occurs during a release phase in the Panarchy model. Continuing with our previous example, positive feedback loops could take the form of other members of the party and even certain party supporters that decide to energetically back the promotion of these new ideas and this new vision for the party. However, 
as we discussed in chapter 5, a system with such a high level of new energy cannot begin to reorganize itself unless an opposing force eventually materializes. Otherwise, the chaotic energy of ever-growing positive feedback loops can cause the destruction of the entire system. Say, for example, if this new popular figure with her alternative vision proves to be so decisive that the party simply splits into several different ideological factions and ceases to function as a unified entity. This is precisely why any successful complex adaptive system also requires the emergence of what are called negative feedback loops that can prevent the system from disintegrating and that can instead allow it to reach some type of order. Negative feedback loops are those elements that keep this new energetic system within certain constraints. They're able to reduce and contain some of this new chaotic energy that is flowing in the system. And if successful, they might make it possible for the system as a whole to reach a type of dynamic balance, which allows the previous chaotic activities to suddenly transition into a new state of order. In this case, negative feedback loops can take the form of the party's internal charter or constitution, which allows for much needed debate and discussion regarding the evolution of the party's vision and focus, or regarding the renewal of the traditional party leadership. Or they can also take the form of other party figures that actively seek to reach consensus between the different ideological blocs or factions. If both positive and negative feedback loops manage to produce a certain dynamic balance, we can then say that the system has successfully managed to reorganize and take on a new form. We can probably say that the party has now shifted to a new vision and a new ideological position. And if we look again at C.S. Hollings' Panarchy model, we could say that we have now moved into a reorganization phase. A central aspect of why complex adaptive systems are so good at adapting to rapidly changing circumstances is because of their high degree of openness and permeability. In other words, they allow for a high degree of information 
to easily flow throughout the system. Information or resources can go in and out of the system with relative ease. And as a result, the system remains highly adaptive because it is directly connected to its immediate context and is able to rapidly identify and shift according to changes in the immediate context. These systems are directly linked and interwoven with the chaotic forces that surround them. This characteristic is often what makes complex adaptive systems so resilient. This capacity to rapidly innovate and adapt to the environment makes them highly successful in overcoming many of the constant disruptions that they face. In terms of a political party, this openness factor can be identified by the degree to which the party is willing and able to accept and integrate the new ideas and energy that regularly originates from the party's members and constituents, as well as the party's ability to renew its leadership and values in relation to the needs of its supporters or the communities that it seeks to represent. This openness or permeability is what gives complex adaptive systems their aliveness. A system that would instead use the majority of its energy in attempting to control and regulate as much as possible this creative flow would instead stifle the flourishing of dynamism and flexibility. This permeability is also what allows for the existence of diversity, which is also a key element that gives the system a high level of resilience and it makes it possible to profit from the creative energy of a diverse set of influences. We can look at natural ecosystems with their remarkable coexistence of different species and organisms in order to have a clear understanding of what this resilient diversity looks like. Now, the dynamic balance that complex adaptive systems may be able to achieve also requires the key contribution of an additional element that cannot be absent from such a system. And I am referring to what is called a strange attractor. A mechanistic paradigm could easily characterize a strange attractor as an element that guides the system in a given direction. However, strange attractors work in much more subtle and nuanced ways. We could even say mysterious, hence their name strange. They are elements that are both 
inside and outside the system and they don't actually guide or direct the elements within the system. Instead, they influence it in non-linear ways. But their role is vital because they are the element around which the system orients and gravitates. The system's openness and permeability also facilitate, at the same time, the system's exposure to powerful shocks that can throw it into a sudden state of imbalance. For example, when we see the emergence within the party of a radically new leader or party bloc with a very different vision for the party's future, or the emergence of a controversial scandal that can shake the party to its core and profoundly damage its image. A strange attractor would then be the element that will help bring the system back into a certain general orientation or direction. It acts as a unifying force that anchors the elements within the system and allows them to remain within certain general parameters and to return to a certain rhythmic flow. In this case, a strange attractor can take the form of a central or historical figure in the party's formation that helps to keep it unified and united or an ideology or belief system that supersedes any momentary decisions. And lastly, we must mention the last characteristic of any complex adaptive system, and that is its self-organizing aspect. The dominant mechanistic paradigm has taught us to see hierarchical and linear systems as the only form of organization that has any potential, especially when thinking about complex systems with hundreds or millions of separate individuals or actors. We have been taught to see the need for power and control to be organized in clearly defined ways and to conceive of any large-scale decision-making process as something that needs to be clearly delineated in linear ways. Complex adaptive systems instead are characterized by their capacity to function in a leaderless and self-organizing manner. And this is possible because of the synergy and complementary work between all of the formerly mentioned characteristics. Their deep connection with their context and their openness to creative energetic flows allows these systems to quickly respond to changes in their environment 
and so they can self-regulate and adapt without the need for any central leader that directs or organizes the system. That is why we can say that complex adaptive systems are not designed or constructed. Instead, they emerge. And they don't come up with solutions to problems. Instead, they transition into new adaptations based on changes in their immediate context. They don't follow the linear mechanistic planning process composed of fixed stages and verifiable impact indicators. It is quite difficult to envision an example of a political party that functions through a self-organizing principle because the political system itself already forces all parties that want to participate in institutional democratic processes to conform to a hierarchical and clearly defined organizational system. However, it is possible to find numerous examples of movements and groups all around the world that manage to function and thrive through the use of leaderless, self-organizing principles. But naturally, we tend to find these movements primarily in the margins of their political systems. The biggest challenge with working with complex adaptive systems from a chaotic and transrational perspective is embracing notions of uncertainty, ambiguity, and the lack of control. Working with these systems means inevitably embracing their inherent unpredictable character because we might be able to estimate certain general patterns or fluctuations, but complex systems will always defy our attempts to predict their exact behavior or the direct outcomes of our interventions. This systemic understanding of complex adaptive systems also presents us with a powerful tool in order to better comprehend why we have informal systems, organizations, movements, or organisms that thrive while not meeting the traditional organizational characteristics that we have been taught to look for by the mechanistic Cartesian paradigm. And lastly, this understanding also presents us with a provocative view of how we could modify our approach to the work that we are currently doing. The way that we approach our leadership and organizational roles, the types of policies and organizational culture that we help to establish, and how we choose to refocus our understanding 
of future goals and objectives. Complex adaptive systems can be both simple and profoundly complex at the same time. They can be significantly revealing or increasingly mysterious. The question then becomes, how much complexity do we want to try to capture in our analyses?